And hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative on a Tuesday night. It's our first Tuesday night of the season. It's good to be with you tonight. I'm Zev Shalev. Our producer, Heidi Kuda, is here too. How are you, Heidi? I am doing well. I'm very excited for the show tonight. It is going to be an exciting show. We have a fantastic main segment tonight, which is going to be all about the anti-vaxxers and about how their messages are getting shaped, who is uh, shaping their messages. And that's going to be coming up later on in the show. I assume you know about uh, Nicki Minaj. It's a big talking point of everyone today and her big tweet. Yes, about the big home. <laughs> the big cojones is exactly right. We'll, we'll be talking about that as part of the segment as well. And then later on in the show, in our final segment, I'm going to be talking about that famous painting of Bill Clinton in a blue dress and another one of George Bush playing with a toy plane and a stack of collapsed dominoes that apparently Jeffrey Epstein owned those paintings. And we're going to be talking to Kirby Summers about whether he really owned both paintings and what the significance of those are, because indeed there are very significant paintings, especially after 9-11. But all of that's coming up a little later on. But first, the starting block. And so this is where we do the big news of the day. And the big news of the day is coming out of California, actually, which is where you are. Gavin Newsom still, we think, will be the governor of California at the end of today's election. Tell us what's been going on there. Oh, he better be. Um, you know the story, dark money trying to take out our governor, GOP trying to cheat. And we are just hoping that all the Democrats show up because there's a lot more of us. It sure is. Just a shock if uh, Ellison... Oh, are you talking about Larry Elder? Yeah, Elder. Yeah. Yes. yeah we're shocked yeah, if he came, would... became the uh, governor. It would be just a terrible thing. Not something we'd want to see. Although I've been very impressed with Newsom. I'm wondering if he's doing this as a bit of a run into the presidential potential campaign in at least 28. We'll see what happens in 24. The big news of the day that's also keeping everyone's attention is the book by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa from the Washington Post about the final days of the White House. It's a book called Peril. It has some shocking pieces of reporting in there, which are quite stunning. One of them involves this exchange between Pence and Donald Trump. If these people say you had the power, would you want it? Wouldn't you want to? Trump asked. I wouldn't want any one person to have that authority, Pence said. But wouldn't it be almost cool to have that power? Trump asked, according to Woodward and Costa. No, Pence said. He went on, I've done everything I could and then some to find a way around this. It's simply not possible. Then Trump goes, no, no, no. You don't understand, Mike. You can do this. I don't want to be your friend anymore if you don't do this. If you don't do it, I picked the wrong man four years ago, the president charged. You're going to wimp out. The thing that everyone's seizing upon in that exchange is the fact that he said, I've done everything I could possibly do and then some to find a way around this, which means even though Mike Pence has been framing himself as a bit of a hero for everything he did that day, he maybe was trying to find a way around the predicament that the president had put him in. And maybe he was in support of it. On the other hand, he was talking to the president at the time, and maybe that would have been enough to, for him to say that line about trying to find a way around it. It's an interesting exchange. And there's another one from Mark Milley, but I won't read that now because it'll take up too much time, but certainly a great book that needs to be read, Peril. And you have some big news coming out of California. This is about the anonymous epic hacks. Tell us what you found out. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, we knew Operation Jane was coming. That was the name Anonymous gave to their hack of the draconian. They said they were going to mess with Texas, and they did. So wake up Saturday morning. What you're looking at is the screenshots that I took from the Texas GOP.org site. Clearly Anonymous got in. Uh, you know some old school guys because they posted Rick Astley. And, I know. Uh, I was Rick wondering Astley. what Rick Astley was doing there. <laughs> It's exciting I when Rick Astley shows up. <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch the entire video to bleach my eyes from some of the other images that they showed. Oh, really? Uh, what you're seeing on the right, though, is the really big news, and that is the 
epic hack and epic is the site that hosts the server that hosts a lot of what is associated with the gabs the parlors why they're hosting texasgop.org uh, i don't know it's all very strange wait, that's really interesting are you saying the same server company that that hosts a gab and parlor also hosts the gop of texas i'm telling you that how yes, weird is that? Of, and the guy who broke the story out of Texas, a really cool guy, Steve Monticelli, Stephen Monticelli, he had been tracking why was affiliated with the whistleblower site also out of Texas. So a lot more to come on that. And even Elder seems to have been swept up in it, Larry Elder here in California, because according to breaking news, there was already a site queued up claiming that the election was fraudulent. <laughs> claiming data and we haven't even had the elections not even finished it doesn't finish till eight o'clock tonight so they know their playbook more. if they're losing they start to deny that the election was fair it's just what they do now we we know it now so maybe it's going to be a little less effective than before but that's a great story congratulations Ooh, on getting that yeah amazing, and uh, amazing, a amazing. final quick one for us on tonight's uh, starting block is this one we told you about charles bowsman he's the suspected russian spy that was working in pennsylvania he's a good friend of sean moon they seem to be collaborating a lot as they were heading into January the 6th, the insurrection. There was some question about whether Charles Bowsman was actually at the insurrection on January the 6th. And in fact, we can now say definitively that he was at the January 6th insurrection. That's because the Blue Hats team that has been doing a lot of the open source investigation around this has identified him a couple of times now in the crowd using all the surveillance cameras that were available on that day and are open source. They've been able to now say definitively that Charles Bowsman was in fact, was there on January the 6th, if there are any doubters out there. And also, this picture that we showed you during the show last week, but also in our article about Bowsman, is of Sean Moon and Bowsman. There was also some question about when and where that was taken. That was taken on January 3rd, as we'd stated. It's also definitely taken inside the Bowsman Church, which is the scene, we think, of a number of right-wing extremist meetings, including the launch of the National Justice Party, which is basically the Nazi Party of America. So there you go. Some, an update for you on the, that story and terrific work by the Blue Hats team. As always, the open source investigators have done a phenomenal job. And thanks so much for bringing it to us and collaborating with us as we bring these news to the public. And that's the starting block for today. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the anti-vaxxers. Stay with us for that. And also stay with us for the advertisers because the advertisers are really important for the show. There's no way we could afford to do any of this programming without the support that we get from viewers like you, but also our sponsors. So we'll be right back after this with our segment about the anti-vaxxer myths. Well done. Hi friends, thanks for supporting Narrative. This portion of the show is brought to you by Policy Genius. Summer's coming to an end and the leaves are about to fall. And while Mother Nature does her thing preparing for the new season, you can do yours by getting free life insurance quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius simply to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying experience. Policy Genius's excellent service has been endorsed by thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google, and eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. This exclusive policy was recently rated number one by Forbes Advisor, higher than options from Ladder, Ethos, and Bestow. Visit policygenius.com and you'll be able to work out your coverage needs in minutes and find your best price for life insurance. 
And Policy Genius will take care of the paperwork and scheduling at no cost to you. They never sell the information you give them to other companies or add extra fees. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. And now that we're back live, let me bring in our two guests, Anne Nelson, who you recall from before, the author of Shadow Network, and Nick, Nick Sawyer, is a, you're a medical doctor, an emergency room doctor in Sacramento. So you've been seeing firsthand a lot of the impact of what the Delta variant has been doing to America. So tell us a little about uh, how things are going for you right now and just briefly what it's like to be in an ER these days. I'm a little bit old school. I've been practicing medicine since the original SARS-CoV-2 virus came back, came through and swept through the nation. It's been a wild ride. Most recently, what people are saying about the Delta variant being a, uh, va- you know, a pandemic of the unvaccinated, is it's absolutely true. And it's really sad. It's always been sad to have people losing life to the coronavirus, but it's especially sad now because we're starting to see younger and younger people come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost every one of them is unvaccinated. I had a patient in their 20s die in our emergency department from COVID-19 not all that long ago. And it was was just devastating to all of us because we're there to save lives and we we know it was preventable. It's kind of, it talks, everyone's talking about the epidemic of the unvaccinated, but it's also the epidemic of the younger people. It really does seem to be something that's hitting younger people. And I just want to say good evening to you officially because we'll come back to you in just one second, but I just wanted to say hi and welcome back to the show because you've done a fantastic lot of work in the Shadow Network and elsewhere describing the CNP in particular. And how they are influencing a lot of the political discourse going on in America right now. Just say if you could just briefly describe to everybody who the CNP are. The Council for National Policy is a consortium of fundamentalist conservatives and business interests, many of which are based in fossil fuel industries. And what they've done over the last 40 years is set up a kind of a machine that includes media platforms like Salem Media and Salem Radio, major donors like the DeVos family of Michigan and and strategists. And together they've been trying to fairly successfully take over the Republican party and through that take over the country. Their goal is to have an economic benefit by reducing or eliminating all the taxes possible and eliminating social programs and really imposing some of their values, which I would say are anti-feminist, anti-LGBT, et cetera, on the rest of us. And last time you were here, you helped us understand that they were also fomenting the insurrection. I and mean, then they really were a large part of the team that put together the events of January the 6th by busing people in and organizing the funding and many other factors. We also know that they've been involved in things like supporting the appointments of Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Coney Barrett, and as well just behind Donald Trump all the way since he was first elected. This is a very extreme right organization. There's really no other way to describe them. That's right. And they've made a point of purging moderate Republicans. So for them, John McCain was as big an enemy as a Democrat. And they really have wanted to eliminate the political center in the United States. And the other thing that they've tried to do is is sow distrust among the sources of knowledge and education. So they've attacked the medical establishment and the CDC and Dr. Fauci. They've attacked uh, professional journalists. They've attacked universities and tried to make voters in their target areas so distrustful that they don't know what to believe. And they subscribe to their media systems, which are often disseminated through their churches, and they're doing a lot of harm. They are indeed. Now, all those things that we've mentioned up to now are 
understandable in a political context. What's very hard to understand is how you run COVID disinformation and vaccination disinformation campaigns when you're facing this kind of figure with 243,000 children testing positive for COVID just last week in the United States. I mean, that is a phenomenal figure that really strikes any parent. And it's amazing to think that there's an American organization that's even remotely involved in something like that. This story really struck me. It's a story of two young kids in South Carolina who died on the same day of COVID in the same school district, ages nine and 15, I think. We really are seeing, as Nick, as you'd mentioned, the deaths of very, very young people because of the Delta variant. And maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that, about how how this disease is affecting people who are unable to get vaccinated because under 12 year olds can't get vaccinated. The thing that we're seeing is the parents are coming in with their children and they themselves are unvaccinated and then their children come back and, and they come in with sniffles or they have a cold and they have COVID. Fortunately, it is true that the majority, the vast majority of children do okay with COVID. That is true. But at the same time, the more COVID runs uncontrolled the and the more kids that become affected with it, the more serious illness we're going to see amongst younger children and the more deaths we're going to start to see. The other issue is that the when I talk to the parents, you know, I take some time to talk to the parents about getting vaccinated in order to protect children. So there's not like this continuous transmission from child to parent to parent to child as the school year starts. And the really kind of sad thing is that I'm hearing is people are scared. They're scared of getting the vaccine because of the disinformation. When I ask them, why are you scared? They start to tell me some of the talking points that they've heard on television. Somebody um, literally the other day told me, you know, my friend told me that um, her friend had been vaccinated and they put a magnet on him and uh, it stuck. I've, I've heard all, I've heard all of the conspiracy theories directly from patients um, themselves. And it's very, very concerning because, um, you know, we're headed into the winter months and it's going to get cooler outside and people will begin to head indoors. Uh, like I said ago, school is opening. And um, there's also another myth that kids don't get COVID. I had a family member tell me kids don't get COVID straight yeah. out. And I was like, well, of course they do. And just in brief, what ended up happening is, is not only were they not vaccinated, but they wouldn't allow us to test their child with uh, wow. for COVID vaccine. They didn't even want to know. Wow. And I tried to explain to them the importance of this is yes, your child will mostly be fine. And we're always here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 in case something should happen. But if your child has COVID, we want to make sure that you quarantine to protect others. And they absolutely refuse to get the child tested. So to be sure that anyone who's not vaccinated is potentially impacting other people, it's really not just about you. It is about everybody else that you come into contact with, but also your children and your children could be impacting other people that they come in contact with. So the idea that any of this is really a choice that you can make just based on your personal belief is just wrong. You really are uh, hampering society, affecting society, and maybe even costing lives. I looked last week at these last seven days of deaths, and it's no surprise, I guess, to people who've been following what's going on in Florida with DeSantis and in Texas with Abbott. But these are the states with the most deaths in the last seven days, 2,448 in Florida and 1,822 in Texas. It's much higher than any other state, and that's because the number of vaccinations there are so much higher. It's also because DeSantis and Abbott are, I guess, trying to be presidential nominees at some point. And this is why they are running campaigns and and running their administrations looking like there is no COVID or that people do not have to get vaccinated or that this is some sort of attack on 
freedoms, which of course it isn't. I don't know, Anne, if you want to pick up on what Abbott and DeSantis have been doing. Well, they're not operating alone. And what's important to understand here is that there's this whole parallel media system that a lot of us are totally unaware of. It happens on fundamentalist radio networks, which go all over the South and the Midwest. It goes on their media platforms and their Facebook video feeds and YouTube feeds like Charlie Kirk's video feed. And many of them are connected to the Council for National Policy, pumping out this same message. They also created a group called America's Frontline Doctors, which included people who technically had MDs, but were not qualified in terms of their specializations to comment on the epidemic. But nonetheless, they dressed up in their white coats, they held a press conference, they've gone on media appearances, and they've not, they started out claiming that hydroxychloroquine, which is actually a defective medication for autoimmune diseases, was a prophylactic preventing and curing COVID, which is just not true. It has been proven not to be true. They've now gone on to promote anti-vaxxing messages in their media platforms. And they've even gone on to talk about ivermectin as mm. a cure for COVID. Mm. I just came back from visiting family in Oklahoma and the veterinary stores have sold out of ivermectin, which mm. is used for treating worms in horses. So yeah. here are these people who are saying, oh, the vaccines are unproven, but they have no proof whatsoever that ivermectin is a cure for COVID. And in fact, it is not. So we've got a media firestorm here. Absolutely. Now, these white coats that we just showed in that press conference before these MDs that came out to do all this messaging, you say that they are triggered at least, or at least did this in coordination with the CNP, the Council of National Policy? Yes, I published an article with the Washington Spectator a few months ago, which traced the coordination. And there was a call between people who were in the Trump campaign with leading figures from the Council for National Policy saying, oh, Americans trust doctors, so let's get some doctors who will wear their white coats and deliver this message. Now, what was the goal? The goal was to open the economy prematurely, have economic statistics that benefited the Trump campaign to advance his reelection possibilities. So they were promoting this at the height of the epidemic last year and have gone on to expand it to sow distrust. And I often wonder what their motivation is for this and the harm it's doing to the public. And I can only think that it's to sow chaos in the public and to damage the Biden administration through harm delivered to countless individuals. So you think that they're actually doing this to make the pandemic last longer? I guess. One cannot read the heart of another, but I can't imagine the motivation of people who would do so much harm. You mentioned as well Simone Gold in one of your in that article for the uh, Washington Spectator, and uh, Jenny Beth Martin, who is a member of the CNP and the piece of the executive board there, and is also a Tea Party leader. I guess can you tell us a little bit about Dr. Simone Gold and what her role has been in distributing some of this disinformation? Jenny Beth Martin. Martin was a co-founder of the Tea Party Patriots and has been a very active member of the Council for National Policy and involved with their, their 501c4 CNP action for quite a while. And she's been an organizer. She organized the press conference of America's Frontline Doctors and Simone Gold a year ago last summer. So she also was involved in promoting the January 6th riots mm -hmm. in advance. Simone Gold not only spearheaded the America's Frontline Doctors Initiative, she was also present at January 6th in the Capitol with a bullhorn. Actually, I have a picture of her, which is kind of insane when you think about it. Here she is as a doctor and 
and a lawyer, and there she is inside the Capitol, looking, you know, into inside kind of the Capitol, delivering an anti-vaxxing message. Yeah. Now she yeah. is apparently a board-certified emergency physician, but I find it impossible to explain the decisions she's made in terms of her professional profile. Maybe Nick can do better. Indeed, Nick, this doesn't sound like it's the kind of stuff doctors should be doing. Just to Absolutely. put it bluntly, it really isn't what doctors should be doing. And there's this small number of physicians out there who are spreading disinformation and a lot of it has to do with they're politically aligned but also is that they're profiteering off of the death and suffering of others. Simone Gold specifically has linked up with a telehealth network where people can come and request to get ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, both of which have been proven not to do anything in COVID-19. And even of note, uh, the manufacturers of ivermectin, Merck Pharmaceuticals, came out with a statement not long ago that said ivermectin has no proof in wow. treating or prevented COVID-19. But they are profiting off of this disinformation as well. So it's, it's way out of bounds for those of us who went into medicine. And we like to think that people presumably went into medicine for the right reason. That's to help people. Mm -hmm. And she is really abusing her standing in society and really has crossed the line. She's so beyond the line and it's not just her. I mean, it's a number of physicians out there who are still fully licensed by their state medical boards that are doing real damage that I can attest to based on my interactions that I have with patients who tell me the lies that they've been told by these physicians because in fact, they are physicians. It's unbelievable that a doctor would do this. I mean, just and to profit off it, as you say, it seems so ridiculous. Is she actually making money by joining these telehealth groups and allowing people to get their hands on ivermectin or, or hydroxychloroquine? Thank you. Yeah. The answer is I don't know. What I do know is that during the COVID 19 pandemic, she did receive two PPP bailout loans. While I don't believe she was working, she was employed as an emergency medicine physician for some time, but also describes her as somebody who provides boutique C-suite medicine. I'm not sure if she had a practice, but she did receive two PPP loans. To the extent that she's profiting off of this, I can only guess that she is. That would just be in a guess based on yeah. the information that is available publicly. Let's bring in Heidi and see what people have been saying on the chat groups and any questions you have, Heidi. This is a lot of your your work that's been put all this together in terms of production and in terms of reporting. So congratulations on that well and thank you so done, much. Well done, guys. Yeah, um, a couple things. One, yeah. one thing I think it's important to know for our audience to know is that Nick, during peak COVID, volunteered to go to New York to work in a COVID ward in Queens and saw up close what things were like and most of the people that he worked with died and i think it's really important to know that we're talking to somebody who was literally on the ground so i can understand why you are so passionate and vocal at your own peril to do this type of work and all our smart viewers are saying follow the money follow the money and that's absolutely what we plan to do we're going to stay on this story and see where things are going one of the big questions of course that our viewers have is the why and Anne sort of talked about that with chaos but okay, so you have chaos and you make Biden look bad, but why kill Americans? I think that's kind of like the main thing that people want to know. Why are they yeah. killing us? We're approaching the Spanish flu numbers at this point here. We really are. Either of you want to take that because it's, you know, it's a good discussion to have, like understanding why this is going on is difficult. Frankly, it's very hard to fathom why it's going on. I, I'll jump I mean, I, in. So I've been in touch with some people who are political theorists 
who say that the people who are ultimately behind this movement have a kind of masters of the universe attitude, mm -hmm. that they want control of the economy, they want control of the government and the political system. This is how they're going to get it. And they regard the rest of us as the little people who are ultimately roadkill. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a medieval concept of society. And I'm reluctant to believe it, but can't easily find another explanation for why they would be so callous. Yeah, yeah. Nick? My understanding of this is just an extension of what we saw underneath the Trump administration, which is this is um, essentially there was the U.S. population was the target of hybrid warfare disinformation campaign that was intended to sow chaos and maximize chaos in order for the Trump administration to capitalize on that. And that occurred by the Cambridge Analytica with their targeted disinformation campaigns to divide the country into multiple, as much as possible, uh, divide and conquer type strategy. That continues to this day. This is an ongoing information war. This is ongoing information warfare. And mm. they've just moved into the most recent category, which is to continue to spread disinformation to, I believe, prolong the pandemic, which is unbelievably callous to think or say. But that's what I'm seeing because I can't imagine why anybody would tell anybody not to get vaccinated given that the vaccines are so safe and so effective that there's got to be something behind it that's much, much more nefarious. And given the history of this disinformation that we've had as part of this information warfare, I just think it's just to sow as much chaos as possible and capitalize on it. I think you're right. From my perspective, prolonging chaos is absolutely a key factor. And they must be doing something like that because that's just the stated goal. But I wonder sometimes whether there is an element of ethnic cleansing that's going on. That, you know, really, even though in the red states, no matter who you are, you're not getting vaccinated, it's just less vaccination. The number of people who are dying who are not white uh, tends to be higher. And they're also the number of people who are unvaccinated tends to be higher. So it sounds macabre to say, but I think there might be an element of the people that are dying may not be their voters. I don't know if that's, I haven't done this study of the stats and I'm a bit loath to suggest that without investigating that. So, you know, I don't want to take anyone to take that as fact. But it does feel to me like that's a piece of what they're doing is a bit of a bit of race cleansing, if there's no other way to describe it. That is so unfortunate to think I wrestled it with that. Uh, what I will say is that by spreading disinformation to their own people, they are disproportionately causing suffering and death within the core Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And when people are desperate and they have death around them and suffering, and they feel like everything is sort of collapsing, then that leads to anger. And that puts mm -hmm. them in a state where they're easier to be manipulated. Right. Um, regarding the, the disproportionate effect that it's having on underserved and minority populations, is I like to think back to the way that they had this hyper-targeted focus on Facebook, where they were able to spread disinformation to different groups and deliver the right message at the right time to the right people. And it would be very interesting to see what is going on in Facebook right now and the different demographics, what type of things they're seeing. It is really uh, interesting. On their I mean, Facebook timelines. There's a really interesting thread today, I think, by I can't remember who it was from NBC, but it was one of their big uh, reporters who does disinformation. And he was saying that the ivermectin thing is out of control, that the amount of people pushing ivermectin in, in every category seems to have gone crazy. 
easy online. And that's, you know, they're not only pushing it as a potential source, but for healing COVID, but they're also, you're right, selling it, which is just so terrifying to think that people are out there making money, but also spreading all this disinformation directly to people who are believing it. I mean, who are joined all these big ivermectin groups. Right. Our, our audience uh, is literally calling it genocide right now. I mean, that's <laughs> just basically what people are looking at. And then, of course, last last round with the last drug they were pushing, it wasn't very difficult to trace it back to the same people who are involved in financing CNP operations to see they were financing the people putting the disinformation out. So again, when we look at the money and who's profiting, it's uh, the same core group that continues to come up with the, what what I now call the fossil fuel fascists of the CNP. So Thank you, Glenn yeah. Press, for that. So there's chaos. There's, and Heidi, um, there were other victims as well, because you have a whole population of people who suffer from lupus and other autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. who were unable to access the hydroxychloroquine that they needed for their legitimate treatment. So there were shortages being deployed for people who were not benefiting and sometimes not even suffering from the effects of hydroxychloroquine. You've also, in places like Oklahoma and Texas, have people who are having overdoses of ivermectin because, of course, there is no legitimate dose for this. Mm -hmm. So the right. damage just spreads in all directions. And so, our viewers are noticing that they can't get into hospitals, they have diabetes, they're not able to get the services they need. So there's that aspect yeah. as well. 95% of ICU beds in the country are full right now. I think I read somewhere that's a, a remarkably high number, if it's the accurate number, but it does sound like it, it is.